Episode 14 of I Love This Album, and I'm going uh, a little bit off script, a little bit off brand. I'm not sure what you call it. Uh, when I started, when I had the idea, this great idea for this massively successful uh, project, my idea was I, I talked about all the uh, the discographies of some of my really, really top bands, but then I realized um, that I there were a lot of albums that I still love that I consider my all-time favorite albums. They're just not necessarily by my favorite band, so I, you know, I thought oh, I want to talk about some of these, uh, some of these other albums that I consider to be my favorites. Um, now, the reason I say this is a little bit off-brand or off-script, I'm going to talk about, as you can see, the uh, Iron Maiden, uh, Legacy of the Beast, Knights of the Dead, live in Mexico City, one of the longest album titles ever. It's actually got three, three titles of it there. And um, now, while this is not one of my favorite albums ever, I do love it. This only came out six months ago or something, so of course it's not my favorite. But the reason I'm, I'm going to talk about this today is uh, two reasons. One, somebody asked. I got a request, and I try to please you people. And uh, I, I did. I can't believe that I did an unboxing. I've always thought the unboxing of things is that's like a sign of a really low society when people do videos of their opening things. But I did it because I received this on a day that I was, I had already done the video of a discography. I had the camera out and I was ready. So I, so I did it. Um, I can't remember who it was, but in the unboxing, somebody said, are you going to do a review? And I said, no, at the time. But then I thought, ah, why not? Now, the second reason, which is actually kind of why I, that really made me do it was uh, a guy in the unboxing video a guy commented that, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm going to read his comments in a minute. Uh, he didn't like this album. Now I, I'll give this guy uh, credit for at least he he took the made the effort to to type out uh, uh, you know his reasons for not liking this album. So I'll give him credit. And say, you know, a lot of people just say this album sucks, which is pointless to say that. Uh, so this guy wrote a, a kind of a long post. So I, I wanted to at least acknowledge I totally disagree with just about everything he said. And um, a lot of people don't like this album, and I have a theory why. And I, I think a lot of people didn't like it even before it came out. Uh, they say uh, that the mix is terrible, as if Iron Maiden doesn't know how to mix an album or whoever they're, they're using to mix their album. This is a band that's been around for 40 years. They're 
maybe more pro than any band, um, but for some reason, there's some people that think they know better than Iron Maiden. And uh, what else did people say? The, the, the number one thing was that it sounded bad, and it's kind of funny that you know you you used to listen to an album and, and you loved it or you hated it based on the music. Now everybody wants to be very very. Everybody's an expert now. Everybody you know has has supersonic hearing. And uh, maybe not supersonic, whatever the word is, you know, extra special hearing. And the number one thing that I heard about uh, complaints about this album was that how bad it sounds. The mix is terrible. Um, so I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to read this guy's uh, comment. Oh, no, I, I forgot. I almost forgot. I got to have myself. The reason why I think so many people said that was when Iron Maiden announced this album, uh, it came, the album came out in... Uh, November, end of November. They announced it maybe around the end of summer, I think around August. And when when they put out the, uh, I guess, the, the, the press release for it or the comments from both Steve Harris and Rod Smallwood, they they kind of, I don't think they came right out and said it, I can't remember, but they, they kind of gave the impression that, wow, we weren't going to really do this as, we weren't really going to release a live album, but because of the pandemic and because the, the tour was... Can, or not cancel, but postpone. The continuation of the, the legacy of the Beast Tour in Europe was postponed. They said, well, we thought we better put something out. Uh, they said, and we recorded these shows in Mexico, so we, we, we put these together. And I should say, I did go to all three of these shows that they were, that this album was, uh, was taken from. And I've seen Iron Maiden live tw I, 12 times, I think, 11. Um, so I think a lot of people took that as, ah, well, they rushed it. They they just, uh, they, they panicked and they put it together because they were in a hurry to put out something, some some material, and they just put it together. Anyway, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this guy's, uh, this, this guy's comment. I will give people their, uh, their, uh, their voice. I will let them be heard if I can open my phone. Uh, all right, the guy says, um... Uh, he says the unboxing. Okay, I'll, I'll go to his comments about that. Unfortunately, this is the worst live album by Maiden ever! Exclamation point. Um, I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I disagree. Uh, I don't know. It's not the worst live album by Maiden ever. Um, it broke my heart after first listening. That's sad. Bruce's voice is completely out of order. Um... He destroyed, destroyed, not just that he didn't sound good. This guy says he destroyed songs like The Trooper, Flight of Icarus, and Sign of the Cross. Uh, I know this was one of the last shows they did, and his voice was worn out. That's another thing. Everybody's an expert on, uh, you know, some people, it's the opposite. Their voice gets stronger as they, as they continue the tour. Um, I think that also goes way, way back to Live After Death in 1985, when um, they put that out and they, they recorded the songs, the, the, the songs, the, the shows that those were recorded were from Long Beach, California, um, and they, they were late in the tour, and I think sometime after Bruce Dickinson said, yeah, my voice was not good, because it was the end of the tour. So now, 35 years later, people think that's still the reason. I don't know. Um, uh, where else? Ah, yeah, so it wasn't one of the last shows they did, and his voice was worn out. But if you want to put out a record like this one, everything should be great and awesome. That's why I cannot comprehend why they picked this gig for the live album. Disaster! Exclamation point. 
The sound of the audience is smothered. That's another uh, comment that I've heard from a lot of people. Not heard that I, I again, I torture myself by, by reading online comments, which you can never get anything good from that. Um, but I never understood. People said that I, the crowd noise sounds terrible. But I never understood if they meant it sounds enhanced, like if they, they took it and, and enhanced it, or if this guy says it sounds smothered. So I don't know if he means it's... I assume that means it's not as loud as it should be. I thought people were saying the other thing, that, that Iron Maiden was, you know, that like a lot of bands they do, they... Uh, they, they enhanced it to make it to make the sound crowd sound like they were more into it than they were. I don't know. Uh, mu- this is this this maybe the strangest part. Musically, you can hear that the band are not putting their best foot forward either, so to speak. Iron Maiden is flawless live. This is not just because I'm an Iron Maiden fan. I'm a fan of a lot of bands, and some of the bands are not that good live. Iron Maiden are essentially. And I talked about this. When I, I did a review of the three shows, um, uh, whenever they happened in uh, September 2019, and I did a, a kind of a review. I did a video. You can check it out if you like that kind of thing. And uh, I said Iron Maiden has never had a bad tour. They've never had a you know some some bands you say oh, they they weren't that good on this tour. Iron Maiden has has never been like that. They've they've always been very very pro, very well rehearsed, I guess. They don't, Iron Maiden doesn't really make mistakes. So for this guy to say um, that they weren't, I'm not even sure what that means. They weren't putting their best foot forward musically. I don't know. Um, now here's, I just don't know what happened during the mixing of all these songs. You know what happened? The same as every other album. It sounds great. When I, I and I, I, I heard, I read all these comments before I listened to the full album when I got it. When it came out, and when I listened to it, I thought, what are, what are people talking about? Like, I don't know if it's that everybody wants to be an expert. I thought it sounded perfect, flawless. You could hear everything equally clearly. Um, you could pick out, even the three guitars, you could, you could, uh, you could pick them out. The, the, the drums were thunderous and bombastic. Um, the, uh, the, the bass, of course, Iron Maiden probably has the, the biggest bass presence more than any band in, in, at least in, in metal. And um, I thought, and I think, because I listened to I've listened to this album in full, from front to back, all 102 minutes or whatever it is, and I, I thought it sounds amazing. So again, I'm not sure what people are talking about. Um, let me see. Uh, oh yeah, so I just don't know what happened during the mixing of all these songs. It's awful! Exclamation point. Eddie on the front cover is more funny than scary. That's debatable. I don't know. Um, uh, another, he says another weird thing about this album. The artwork is not as great as I expected it to be. That, that doesn't make sense. So because you expected something and it wasn't what you expected, that means it's not great. It's a, it's a weird thing to say. Um, then he adds that it's better on Death on the Road. Yeah, but who cares? Um, anyway, uh, he says, anyways, it could have been marvelous, but this one leaves much to be desired. And I totally, totally, totally disagree. I think it sounds Fucking awesome! It sounds uh, the, the crowd to me sounds and like I said, I was there all three night. It's a loud crowd. Mexico City is a is a is a loud crowd, as I think most uh, most uh, Latin American um, cities are. People talk about Santiago, Chile, and Buenos Aires, and uh, Brazil. That you know that Latin people in these uh, Latin American or South American, Central American, North American, and Mexico. 
um, in these countries. They're they're crazy. Concerts are a big deal to, to people in these countries. They're not. They're still kind of new to them. They're they're not like in the states or Canada or Europe that they've had concerts for as long as we have. So um, so anyway, I think the album sounds fucking great. Everything about it sounds great. Um, I like the artwork. Maybe I'm biased because I like the the and I I could add uh, I've got here if I want to really go all out. I could uh, I could do this. Maybe I should do the rest of the review like this, and I can uh, I can be Mr. Triple Merch. What do you think of that? All right. Um, so I don't know. I, I I love the album cover. I love the um, I love everything about it. And so now I'll talk about the. I already talked about the packaging when I did that. So I'm not going to talk about the packaging. It's amazing. Going through track by track as I do. Uh, Churchill's speech, of course. Aces high. I, I will say, Bruce, that one, I guess, I'm not an expert. I don't want to be like these people that, that know everything. It seems to me like Aces High would be a very difficult song to sing. And he does sound a little bit, he doesn't sound bad. He, he just doesn't sound, the guy's 60, I guess when they did this, 61, 62, 63, around there. You can't, it's impossible to sound the same, especially with, with, uh, the style of, of singing. As, as Master Bruce, you, you're not going to sound the same. The guy's, I, I, Paul Stanley sounds bad. Paul Stanley sounded bad for years, and I'm, Kiss is my number one band ever. Um, Bruce Dickinson, he, he, he just, it sounds different, not bad, Ace aside. Um, Where Eagles There, Thunderous, the drums at the beginning of that song, I remember it in the concert and listening to it again, it took me back to it. The drums, the, the drum intro of, um, Where Eagles There are just, Thunderous, just so heavy, and that song was really, really heavy live. Two minutes to midnight. Uh, that that's a classic song. I I love that song. Iron Maiden plays it almost every tour. I think maybe they they skip it occasionally, but no complaints about two minutes to midnight. Uh, the Klansman. I don't, you know, to be honest, I don't know that I'd ever heard the Klansman ever in my life until uh, I think by the by the time this tour came around and I saw it, I knew that they were doing it, of course. And so I, I think I had downloaded it at, at that point, but I had never heard it until they started this tour. I thought, all right, they're doing this song. I, I should familiarize myself with it. Uh, amazing. Now, I, I don't really like, I talked about this when I talked about Iron Maiden's discography. I never liked, never cared about Blaze Bailey, but Bruce Dickinson doing The Klansman is just fantastic. Um, Trooper, it's, it's another, I don't know why people complain that they play the Trooper every time. If, if you uh, if you have a problem with hearing the trooper once every three years live, you know it's, it's four minutes. You know people say I'm not going to, to see Iron Maiden this time because they play the trooper every time. It's four minutes every three years of your life. Stop it. Revelations. Revelations was a song that was another one I never really got into until when I saw them in 2008 on the Somewhere Back in Time tour. Uh, they they did that and I was I I never got into peace of mind as much as most people. I guess for I guess a lot of people would say that it's, that I would say that it's overrated. I just didn't get into it as much as most people. But when they did it on that tour, and I saw them twice on that tour on the Summer Back in Time tour, I saw them on the the first leg, and then they came back a year later to Mexico City. And then when they had put out Flight Six Six Six, and I saw them there, it really really hit me. I love Revelations. That's a fantastic song, and uh, I'm especially live with the uh, the the, uh, the drapes or the curtain of the. I guess the stained glass for Revelations, amazing. Great song live. For the greater good of God, that's from A Matter of Life or Death. That's another one that I never got into. But live, uh, 
Great song. Uh, I, I don't think they'll ever do it again live. I think some of these songs, um, they, they, you know, they they kind of rare. They they bring them out occasionally. They I don't think they'll do for the greater good of God again. But I liked it. It was good. Wicker Man. That's a good uh, a good one. Also more from the modern era. That was from two thousand. Uh, Wicker Man is good. Sign of the Cross. I, that's in the same category as the Klansman. This guy that I was talking about on YouTube said Bruce ruined. He no destroyed was the word. I don't know. I I thought Sign of the Cross. That was another one that I, like I said, like Klansman, I wasn't familiar with it, but I, uh, I listened to it, and, uh, Bruce Dickinson singing, singing Sign of the Cross. Oh, killer. I, I wish they could, uh, record that with, with Bruce on vocals. Uh, again, very heavy, similar to, uh, Where Eagles There. Very, very heavy. I think not just the, uh, musically, but the whole tone of the song. Bruce was holding the, the cross live. Obviously, you can't see that, but on the live album, sounds great. Uh, Flight of Icarus, uh, I love that song. I, I really got got into that song, especially on uh, Live After Death. Like I said, I wasn't a huge Peace of Mind fan, but on, on uh, I like that song. I remember the, the video for it was on a lot. Flight of Icarus is fantastic. Live, Bruce, Bruce had the, the flamethrowers. I took a video of that song. You can see Bruce seems very dangerous what he's doing. He almost burns poor Nico a couple of times. Uh, Fear of the Dark, a lot of people complain about that one too. That they do Fear of the Dark every every time. Eh, no big deal. I, it's not my favorite song, but it is very cool live. Uh, Number of the Beast, one of my favorite Iron Maiden songs. I, I love that song. I love it live. I love it studio. I love it all the time. Uh, Iron Maiden, they're, uh, the song Iron Maiden. Of course, they always finish the main set with Iron Maiden. Uh, the Evil That Men Do. Uh, good. Not, not a favorite song of mine, but I, I like that. I like Seventh Son of the Seventh Son. Hallowed Be Thy Name. Some people would say the, the greatest Iron Maiden song ever, but I do like that they drop it from the set list every once in a while. They did it on Book of Souls tour, the tour before Legacy of the Beast, but they had skipped it the tour before, which was, um, made in England. So it's, it's cool to see it back. That's, I think, like I said, I think, I think I said most people consider Hallowed Be Thy Name probably to be the number one Iron Maiden song. It's not number one for me, but I do love it. And they finished with Run to the Hills. That's another one that they don't play. That's arguably their their biggest song. And it's one that they don't do every tour. And I think it's a great closing song. Very anthemic for Iron Maiden. Uh, so that's it for Legacy of the Beast. I will say, maybe I feel like I have to say, uh, and I can take this off now. Um... If, if I had a, a couple of, and they're not even complaints, and they're not even negative, but just, just a couple of little things about this album. One thing, small thing that I, I wish was a little bit different, that there are some seams between the songs where you can hear that they clearly cut from one, uh, whether it was one show or whatever to another, because they, they recorded it over three different nights. I don't know, they didn't put in the liner notes what, uh, what night each song was from. I don't know if it was the first, second, or third. Uh, so I, I wish, especially before the Klansmen, they cut out Bruce made kind of a, a long, um, they, I think they cut out a lot of Bruce's banter between song banter. Not I think, I know. Uh, I, so I wish they had left that in, uh, especially the intro to, uh, to the Klansmen. Maybe they think it's too personal if he, if he talks about Mexico and things like that. Maybe that alienates the rest of the, the Iron Maiden fan base around the world. Maybe it's because maybe it was to, they had to cut down the time to fit it onto the triple vinyl or to fit it on CD. I'm not sure. But again, a very, um, small thing. Not, not much to complain about that. And the other thing, and 
I when when they announced this, the first thing I thought was, I remember when I saw, it, I thought there's going to be a, a Blu-ray or a DVD, and then when I read the, the press release, there wasn't. And I thought, ah, oh, that sucks. But instantly, and I thought, well, that's because the the tour is at least as of now still the tour is going to continue next year. And I I understand why they if this is their reason for not putting it out, um, it, it would be it it might you know maybe take away some ticket sales or you know people who haven't seen it yet. If you can see it on DVD, it's like if like if you put out a movie on DVD and then put it in the theater, it's kind of like that. So I I, I would guess this is my theory that they didn't release a Blu-ray because they traditionally do release a live album and a, a video or DVD Blu-ray whatever of, from the same tour. I guess they didn't this time because the tour is still continuing and they don't want to spoil it for people who are going to go see it uh, next year. God, I hope it's next year or whenever. Um, and about the future of Iron Maiden, I should say also, I don't know what's going to happen. The longer that this pandemic goes on and the more this gets delayed, um, according to rumors, and these rumors always come true, they, they recorded a full album that's in the can ready to go a long time ago, like two years ago. And I would, my guess is they would have finished the Legacy of the Beast tour last year and then put out, assuming that it's done, a new album this year and then toured behind it. And then I think then maybe next year or in 2023, if coronavirus hadn't happened, I think Iron Maiden would have done their final tour. I, I think they've got one, I guess they're going to finish the Legacy of the Beast tour next year and hopefully do one last album and then tour behind that, a regular uh, new album cycle, and then take some time off and then do a final tour. They, they can't go on much longer. Nico McBrain said a couple of years ago, that he, he doesn't have too much left in him. He's only got a few years left. And they've lost, uh, you know, a, I guess by the time they get back, they will have lost a year and a half, maybe two years. So that's my um, my speculation on what's going to happen with Iron Maiden in the future. So getting back to this, uh, this is not one of my favorite albums of all time, like in, in the other videos that I've done. But you know what? I do love this album. The story is true. It's called The Clansman. Thank you. Thank you. 
within your face. Just get to be proud and be part of a race that is part of the plan to live on higher lands. Air that you breathe, so pure and so clean, and alone in the hills. With a wind in your hair, and a longing to feel just to be free. Is it right to be made, and a need to be free? It's a time when you die, and when I'm asking what that you see, what they do, they're fighting the style.
I'm a little 